0: This, by all accounts, was supposed to be a pretty quiet offseason for Toronto FC. They would be retooling a little bit, sure, after a disappointing 2018 season, but no major changes were really expected. Well, the season is still a month away and we've already seen the club switch GMs and... Now a major player departure as well. On Tuesday, the club revealed that pending a physical, Victor Vasquez has been transferred to a Qatari club that is yet to be named. Uh, quite the bombshell for Toronto FC to op- open training camp. My name is Mitchell Tierney. You are listening to the Footy Talks podcast. And today, we'll react to the Vasquez news, talk about some other signings as well for Toronto FC and uh, some Canadian Premier League signings as well, among other topics. To do all that, James Grassi of MLSSoccer.com is back on the show James, what a wild show we have ahead, don't we?
1: Yeah, Mitchell, uh, it's great to be back on the show. And uh, yeah, you know, the season, you know, it's sort of notorious this first week of the year to sort of be pretty laid back. Not a whole lot going on. You know, you sort of get your first conversations with the new faces in camp. But right away, right off the bat on the first day, we get this bombshell dropped in our lap with the news that uh, Victor Vasquez will not be returning to Toronto FC in 2019.
0: Well, uh, let's, let's start with Tuesday then, James, um, because you go into the season opening training camp, you know, expecting a, a couple bits of off-season news, probably, uh, y- y- you know, a few things, maybe some new players, that kind of thing, but you certainly probably weren't expecting uh, the bombshell they kind of dropped on you. Um, when did you find out about the Vasquez news and, and the fact that he was moving on? Because it seemed to, seemed to shock some players as well on, on Toronto FC. Yeah, so
1: just to set the scene, you know, it's the first day back up there. We go into the bubble to sort of see the guys running around. There uh, wasn't a soccer ball in sight. It was really just sort of the physical jogging to to get everybody up to speed before they, they embark on the more serious work uh, that they have to do. And, you know, it was sort of casually observed that, that amongst the guys out there, Victor was not one of those present, which... You know, isn't always isn't always something that raises the suspicion. You know, Josie wasn't out there because he's still rehabbing Michael and, and Marky Delgado and Alex Bono and, and all those guys that are still on international duty are are away with their clubs and, and you know, you're sort of more sort of concentrated on uh not just the new faces that we know are with the team, but you're sort of sort of trying to to pick out the guys that you don't quite recognize and figure out who these trialists are and, and who these unknowns in the group are and so we get upstairs and, and we've done five of the six interviews that we did on that first day and we're just sort of waiting around for Greg Vanney to come up and uh, a representative of the TFCPR staff comes over and just sort of lets us know that, that you know the club has agreed terms to sell Victor Vasquez to a, an unnamed club in, in Qatar and it was explained that they didn't want to steal the thunder of the signing for the team over there. That's why they couldn't give us any more details and and so he wasn't going to be a part of the team, and, and he'd be departing in the next 24 hours or so, and, and that would be the end of his time in Toronto. It, uh, you know, it, you're sort of always on, not necessarily on edge for news to happen, but but you know, you sort of go into these opening days as it's a training camp for us too, in a sense, in that you know your your ear hasn't quite been as close to the ground. You're sort of you're sort of waiting for news to happen, but. Not quite expecting something this big to sort of drop out of the blue the way that it does.
0: Yeah, and obviously it sounds like the move was was triggered by the player himself that that you know that he wanted to pursue uh, other opportunities in Qatar and that this deal comes with with some kind of coaching or, or at least a post career um, incentive as well as well as you know the obvious monetary uh, incentive that comes with playing in a in a league like Qatar. Um, you know this is. This is certainly going to be a player that's that's missed for Toronto FC, and I don't think this is a player that you are that they're going to be able to find a direct replacement for in in the next couple of months, just because you know the tight deadline, and also because honestly, in the Tim Bezbachenko era, this might be the most value for for money signing they've ever you know been able or he's ever been able to come up with just because of how good he was and and on such a a small ticket compared to you you know the players of his caliber in MLS so uh, it's going to be a tough replacement but also at the same time a player who's aging a player who has had injury issues and a player who Toronto FC can now cash in on in a way that uh, I don't think necessarily they would you know fully have expected to considering uh, like we said kind of a, a bit of a declining asset in general.
1: Yeah, it's as much of it, as it was a bit of a shock, and, and we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, somewhat frustrated reaction from from TFC fans that are really sad to see to see Victor go. It it's just sort of another another example of how you know this sport, this business, sort of has its own mechanics, and, and sometimes a deal material materializes really quickly, and and it's in the best interest of all parties to sort of. Make a decision that that you hadn't necessarily planned for. It, it definitely wasn't in the cards that Victor would not be part of the team this year. They they missed him terribly last year when he was struggling through all those injuries, and and this year with with so much uh, with so many different competitions and so so much uh, aspiration within the team to sort of get back to where they think they should be after last year's disappointment. Um, this definitely comes as a curveball, but you know, as you said, a, a declining asset in terms of, of its value and, you know, perhaps a potential source of revenue that, that you didn't necessarily see. And, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get exactly what the transfer fee was, but, you know, if you can recoup some money and, and add a little bit of allocation money and free up some some salary cap space for a player that, you know, while he was definitely going to be here this year, who knows how long into the future you were looking at him being a key part of the squad. And, sometimes these deals just sort of come about and and it's good to be nimble and it's good to, uh, you know, have the flexibility within the side to make that decision. And, you know, as much as it will be a big loss. And as you said, there is no way to directly replace a guy like Victor. And just to go on a tangent for a second, uh, when Bez was talking to us about how, how key Victor has been, he actually told us that Toronto's acquisition of Victor was sort of a model that the league used for TAM players for, for finding that caliber of player that wasn't quite going to be the big splash DP, but was going to make the play on the field that much better. And, you know, in the last two seasons, we've sort of definitely seen how those sort of players have raised the level of MLS. But getting back to to my initial point was that as much as it is going to be very difficult to replace a guy like Vasquez, there's a value in, in being a club that has the best interests of the player and the player's family and, and their future. And, and a willingness to be flexible and to, to see that, you know, this is a, it's a short career and guys have to make decisions that are best for them and their families and within the confines of, of you know, what is a 15-year career. And so, you know, when Victor found out about this and it was something he wanted to do, it, it's uh, it's sort of a sign of the club that they were able to, you know, amicably come together and, and work out a solution that, that hopefully in the end works for both parties.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like... know it could end up being a a win-win here and um, I I guess if it wasn't for the Vasquez news um, kind of the the thing that everyone will be talking about coming out of this training camp was comments from Sebastian Javinko and to some extent Josie Altador. Um, and we knew this was going to be a storyline all season about their contracts and the fact that all three designated players are out of contract at the end of this season. Um, you know, Javinko mentioning that he's uh, both of them mentioning that they're they're still professionals and they're still going to uh, play out this year. You know, to to the best of their abilities and and they both want to stay here long term, but that that might not necessarily end up being the case with. Uh, Javinko kind of going a step further and mentioning that there's, you know, been some serious interest in him and, and some serious offers for him. The club said they've never received anything official, but uh, it definitely sounds like he, you know Sebastian Javinko, as he has, um, kind of the past, you know, even the past year, going back to to some initial comments to Kurt Larson of the Toronto Sun uh, before the Concacaf Champions League, um, or before some Concacaf Champions League games back, back last year. You know, this is a this is a player that definitely seems to want to get something done, and he's getting uh, a little bit restless and and making some comments in the media. This is something I, I guess that we're just going to see kind of continue to play out all year. But uh, other than the Vasquez uh, the Vasquez news, that was probably the the biggest thing from uh, training camp day.
1: Yeah, you know, it, this talk sort of started about halfway through last season when it started to become very clear that that the year wasn't going the way Toronto wanted it to. And, you know, everybody knew that, that all three DPs had their contracts coming up this year. And, and as you mentioned, Seva's comments back during the Champions League last year, sort of raised the alarm that this was something that, uh, that we're going to be dealing with for a while. And, you know, it's, I sort of suspect that we're not going to see any real sort of resolution in either direction until after the Champions League. I think that's very much the focus of the club through this early portion of the season. And, and we're entering that sort of phase where, you know, players can start negotiating with other clubs and, and, you know, if Toronto is too slow to make a decision, then, then, you know, Seba or Josie or, or even Michael, although that seems less likely than the other two could decide that, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. And it's time to, to find a new place to apply to their trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion about what Seba actually said and, Uh, his English has has improved markedly but sometimes you can't quite grasp exactly the context within which he's saying things and and you know I saw some comments from Seba's agent a couple weeks ago that that were sort of saying that that the player had no interest in returning to Europe and, and he was very happy in Toronto and and was eager to spend the rest of his career there and you know that's something that that both Josie and Seba and Michael as well have all reiterated time and time again and you know there's two sort of ways to to try and interpret what exactly it was that Sebo was saying he was either saying that that on his side there had been an approach from another team that was interested in acquiring his services or in some roundabout fashion he had heard that Toronto was actually actively shopping him and offering him to other teams and you know somewhere in within the 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 mixed translation of Seba's, Seba's intent in Italian to his, to his actual words in English, that there's a, a lack of clarity as to what exactly he was referring to, but it's very much the nature of the beast with this sort of thing. Um, uh, if I, if I were to play a little bit of amateur psychologist, just sort of, you know, having interacted with Jovinko a bit over the years and, and you know, especially in light of, of that TSN interview that came out the day before on the first day of media camp where, where seba was was clearly rather animated at uh, at having to answer this question over and over again which is, is something he's not really a big fan of is uh i got the sense if if i were to paraphrase what he was saying was just sort of that he has options you know he's he's 32 he's he's still very much at the height of his powers granted you could maybe you could maybe make the argument that he's getting a little bit older and losing a step although uh in that same interview on on Tuesday, he was very adamant that age is just a number and, and he's not slowing down. Um, you know, he was just sort of saying that that he's still a, a player, he's still an asset, and there are other teams that'll be interested in him if things don't work out here. And I almost sort of read it more as a, he doesn't really like dealing with this same question over and over mm-hmm. again, and he's he was more just sort of saying that. You know, it's a big world of football there and there are lots of teams and I I still have what it takes to be a a top contributor somewhere. So I don't want to deal with this question again, which uh, unfortunately is something that he will be doing over and over and over again until we figure out exactly what the solution is. And, you know, as far as that whole conversation goes, the real rub is sort of, you know, between the players saying they want to be here and, and Toronto definitely wanting the players to be a part of this team, the question will always come down to is, is can they agree on, on numbers and situation that is the best solution for both parties? And that's sort of a bit of language that we've been hearing from Vanny and from Ali Curtis in the brief conversations that we've had from him about these three DPs is that, you know, what if, what if they offer a deal and it's one year and it's, it's not a DP contract. Is that something that he's interested or does that sort of, mean that he no longer wants to finish his career here does is is somebody willing to to take a pay cut and maybe get a couple more years for being a tam player rather than being maybe a dp for one year it's there's a lot of math involved and and that's not particularly my suit when it comes to reading people's minds uh but curtis himself has sort of said that he was sort of he was he was very much asked about this at his unveiling earlier in the month and you know, he was he was pretty coy about it, seeing how he'd just been in the job for 24 hours or so. And, you know, the basic sort of sentiment was that, you know, Toronto has been a big spending club and they will continue to be that heading into the future. But Curtis is a guy that has a track record of, of sort of making the most of of the entire width and breadth of an organization. And that's something that Toronto is very much interested in doing and is paying guys heading into their early 30s the kind of dollars that tfc has been paying the the path forward in mls you you really don't know it's it's one of those things that uh, until we have a solution we're all going to be talking about it and, and nobody really quite knows how it's going to play out
0: yeah yeah uh, i'm looking into my crystal ball right now and i think we're gonna probably be talking about this again down the, down the line on this show um i don't think uh, it, i don't think this situation is gonna you know fully resolve itself for a bit, but um, at any rate, there was uh, a couple bit or a few more points of news coming out of uh, the the season opening camp, and, and that's the fact that a couple of players are back with Toronto FC, um, a couple of players that well, one of which is a little bit surprising for me, um, that being Jordan Hamilton. I I'd heard for most of last season that Jordan Hamilton was was kind of interested in looking into some other opportunities beyond Toronto FC and um you know he got some chances last year but it wasn't necessarily his his best season you would would say in terms of development uh, but he, you know, he's still just 22. He's still got plenty of, of ability ahead of him. Uh, I think the the big thing we've we've both talked about is the fact that in the USL uh, for the first time, he really looked like a dominant player. So perhaps that's a sign of him um, taking a step forward. Subasa Ando also was incredibly dominant at the USL level for Toronto FC two last year. He was uh, probably their best player for the entire season, and, and a player that gives Toronto FC some flexibility in the midfield. Um, sounds like he'll come in on an international spot but they're looking at his permanent residency so that might help you know, take take away an international spot and uh, and end up making him a more attractive signing. I think that's always been the big kind of uh, sticking point with Subasa is is the fact that he does count as an international, so that's uh, that's been a bit of an issue. But you know, two signings that I think really help the depth of this club uh, going forward, and um, you know, have just it's good to have a lot of attacking talent for sure. And these are two players that have proven, um, you know, at least in small sample sizes, they can be solid MLS players.
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of funny actually, because as I as I mentioned earlier, you sort of go into these sort of sniffing around for little clues on what's going to happen. And on day one, Vanny pretty much said that, uh, oh yeah, you know Jordan and, and Subasa were expecting those deals to be wrapped up pretty quickly, and you know less than 24 hours later, the clubs announcing that both of them would be coming back. And Hamilton wasn't quite so much of a surprise to me, at least I didn't. I didn't quite see the club being willing to, to give up on a guy that they've sort of nurtured since he was 15 at this point, and especially with with the space that he'll occupy on the roster and, and you know, the need that they have at that position. Um, you know, between Seven and Josie, they definitely have a one and two, though, you know, Vanny demurred from, uh, from saying who was in the one spot and who was in the two spot at training the other day, and... With, with Jordan and Io, they sort of have two really young guys that, that we've seen little glimpses of what they're capable of doing, especially at the USL level, and the question is going to be, can either one of them really sort of grab that mantle of being the number three forward, never mind if, if Lucas Hansen ends up coming back. And as you mentioned with, with Endo, he's he's a guy that Banny really, really likes a lot. And there's a, If there's one thing you can say about banny about and his sort of management style and, and his team building style is that... He certainly has his guys, and and when he sees something in a player that he likes, he's 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 very uh, he he doesn't let go of that quickly. He's not somebody to sort of turn his back on somebody just because something didn't work. And you know, Subasa tested the waters elsewhere last year when it was clear he wasn't going to get a first team contract, and came back and played with two and was just absolutely outstanding and. You know, I think we'd all agree that the wingback experiment with Tsubasa Endo was, uh, did not quite work out the way that, the way that people had hoped, but his talent is, is pretty clear to see from scoring pretty much on his debut back in 2016 or whatever it was. And, you know, I think one thing that, that maybe not everyone gets to see is sort of how hard of a worker Tsubasa is. When you're up at the training ground, he's usually one of the first guys. Out on the field, working on something, taking free kicks, and and when everyone else is is trudging back inside, Subasa's is out there, sort of talking with Nick Nick Thesloff, one of the uh, one of the coaches that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention here at TFC, and you know, I actually I was working on a piece a couple of years ago about Subasa that never ended up getting written because he ended up leaving the club, uh, but Thesloff was sort of telling me that, you know, he's worked with a lot of young players in his career and. and the way that Subasa is so diligent and so hungry to absorb things and so so willing to put in that extra time sort of reminded him of of the time he spent with Tony Cruz at Bayern. Not to say that the two players are similar in any particular way, but just that sort of uh, that attention and and that eagerness to get to get involved was something that uh, that really stood out when it came to Subasa. And I think that's the sort of thing that that Vanny really loves in a player is that willingness to to dig in and to do the homework and to do all the work behind the scenes that mean that you can have the success that you're setting yourself up for the success that you want on a match day. And, you know, one of the funny things to come out at a media day yesterday was that um, yesterday being uh, Wednesday, I believe, was that, uh, you know, Vanny said Tsubasa was a real glue guy in the dressing room and Tsubasa was a guy that, you know, everybody sort of got along with and somehow ended up being the center of attention and, and he even went so far as to say that was something they probably missed last season. And so anytime you can sort of check off all the boxes of, you know, an attacking talent, a guy who can play wide, a guy who can fill into the midfield, has that versatility and is also a good
0: locker room guy, it's it's sort of hard to go wrong with signings like that. Yeah, it certainly is. And, um, you know, Subasando and and Benoit Sheru were well-documented good friends. So you'd, <laughs> you'd think that's a pretty good... Uh, you know, a pretty good endorsement for Subasa Endo is the fact that someone like Benoit uh, took a real interest in him as a as a player and and as a friend. Um, one more, uh, it's not really a signing; it's a draft pick for Toronto FC. Um, they were able to add uh, another wide attacking player, in Griffin Dorsey out of the draft. Uh, selecting him sixth overall. Uh, I know a lot of people make the, the Gryffindor joke. I always call him Jack Dorsey for some reason because that's the Twitter <laughs> CEO. I think I even wrote that in our show notes and you thankfully corrected me before I made too much of a, a fool of myself. But yeah, for some reason, Twitter Jack always gets in my head when I, I think of Griffin Dorsey. but... Um, you know, I, I personally, I mean, I know very little about the MLS draft, but I personally was a little disappointed they didn't take any of the Canadians that were on the board just because, um, you know, that's always, I always like to see Canadian players get featured for Toronto FC or any club around, uh, the world, but it it really seems like Toronto FC went for a fit with this one. And they believe Griffin Dorsey's one of those players who, um, can really contribute to them right away and help them in, in a way this season, um, as they, you know, continue to look, uh, to be a championship side in MLS
1: yeah we actually asked Ali Curtis we were on a conference call with him after the draft and and it was notable that there were there were a lot of highly touted Canadians that that they sort of passed up to take Dorsey and you know Curtis sort of sort of was straightforward and said that you know they consider all those factors they consider what sort of contract the guy's going to be on whether he's an international whether he's Canadian and and they apply all of those all those parameters to sort of what they view as the needs of the team and and you know I I guess you can always second guess. We'll see in a couple of years how some of those other players sort of turn out and maybe it was a missed opportunity, but you know, as things stands in Dorsey, they, they got a player that they're very, very high on. He's a, a US U twenty international, has a has a lot of experience in the international game, but a very good career in college and and again, he's, he's a winger, and that seems to have been one of the themes of the off-seasons is that Toronto is very much looking to evolve the way that they play. And and to go back to, to the end-of-season media at the end of October, you know, there was a little bit of an aside uh, between Vanny and Christian Jack, who's, who's well-known for his ability to talk tactics, and, mm-hmm. and Vanny sort of uh, dug a little deep into his, his philosophy of the game and one of the things that he sort of pointed out was that, you know, the game is always evolving and we're coming out of that era where, you know, the fullback, the wingback was sort of the one who could find that space to operate and, and was sort of, a, you know, where a team could reliably find a potential game breaker or could find the space to make something happen. And Vanny sort of sees that in these days with the center of the midfield as densely packed as it is, it's it's really in those wide positions where, where teams are gonna be able to to spark something and to make something happen and, and to create those little moments in games that can be so decisive and and in, in Dorsey, a young guy is only nineteen years old, has a ton of international experience, as I was saying, and has a pre existing relationship with Iowa Canola from the recent uh, ConcaCaf U twenty championship and and both should be going to the U twenty World Cup this year, which is just another chance for him to uh, to add to that sort of repertoire of, of experiences and and challenges that sort of helps a player grow, and you know, between the upside of what he has, you know, he's a big boy. He's he's got good technical skills. He can play on both sides, which is which is handy. He's also it's also a player that has plenty of room to grow. And, and coming into an environment like Toronto FC, a professional environment under the sort of tutelage of, of Greg Venny and the rest of the coaching staff, they really see a lot of upside to him. And and it's hard to say that you know maybe. Picking a Canadian from from a sentimental aspect should have been something that they were interested in if they clearly see him as the best player. And, you know, there were a couple other guys that Toronto selected in the draft. Adam Wilson, a, a midfielder out of Louisville, who, who Greg Vanny told us was actually the star of the personal combine that TFC put together in the lead up to the draft. They see him as as a deep-lying mid with a lot of capability and, and again, lots of room to grow. And, and they picked up a big Danish defender, Patrick Bunk Anderson, I believe is name and it's a great we were, name. Yeah, it's a great name and, and we were up at the training ground on Wednesday and uh uh one of our colleagues was sort of asking where the Dane was and, and this guy standing on the sidelines goes, Oh, I'm the Dane, and started talking to us about uh about his college experience at Clemson <laughs> and, and sort of getting selected and everything like that. And I sort of view him as, as similar to Oivendalstef a couple of years ago, a guy with a bit more experience than your average college kid who you know, being an international and being a center back, a position that TFC is pretty deep at at the moment. There's not necessarily going to be room with him for him with the first team, but he's somebody that I think they're looking to add to the program. He'll play a little bit with two, I think, and then you sort of see what you have over the next couple of years. And you know, it's it's hard to pass up on a on a good center back that catches your eye with his with his skills. But definitely those wide areas have been a a a theme in this off season, whether it's for TFC or for TFC two.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, you know, kind of the wide player theme for Toronto FC too. Uh, Who are some of those players that um, you're looking at uh, for two that, you know, could potentially be long-term, you you know, kind of in the Toronto FC conversation as they... uh, as they kind of revolutionize their game a little bit and look for you know look to add more of a wide threat uh, throughout the organization because obviously that's that's one of the things that uh, I'm sure Ali Curtis has mentioned many times and and is something that was kind of a hallmark for him and in, in his time at the New York Red Bulls was how much he was able to build an alignment with the program from top to bottom and um, certainly that's something that you know we're we're gonna see under him is him trying to. Uh, make sure the second team is or or tfc2 is stocked with with a bunch of players who can uh, eventually help toronto fc in in the positions that toronto fc um, need help yeah that was one of the more
1: interesting things about the curtis press conferences you know usually i'm the one that's that's bringing up tfc2 all the time much to the chagrin of everyone else but curtis was very (laughs) much putting it front and center in terms of his vision for where he can help this team sort of take it step to the next level and, and you know quietly over the last couple of months of last year TFC added three more wingers to the system all of which they're very high on there's a 19 year old Jacob Schaffelberg who has only spent a little bit of time with the academy sort of off and on over the past couple of years seeing how he was at a prep school in New Jersey uh, that just happened to be the same one that Jack Harrison formerly of NYCFC came out of and you know, Vanny Vanny has referred to his sort of breakout speed and his, his ability to get behind and his timing of his runs, and so he'll be he'll be down in L.A. with the first team, sort of training as they prepare for for uh, both the TFC season and the TFC two season. There's a big group going down to L.A. for these first couple of weeks before they sort of go their separate ways and focus on their respective teams. And you know, uh, along around the same time, maybe a, a couple of weeks later, they signed Jaden Nelson, who's a 16 year old and. And Vanny sort of spoke very highly of his skills and, and he called him, he said he had a game-changing potential and, and mm-hmm. you know, anytime you get a, a guy who who is 16 and is already, Vanny also said that he already has the the athleticism and, and the physicality to sort of compete at the professional level and they just need him to sort of, you know, learn some of the tricks of the trade and, and, and focus a little bit more on on the team aspect of the game and, and then he'll be ready to make that jump. So expect to see both of those guys will be in LA with the first team for this first period, but expect to see them both with Toronto FC mainly this season. And then, you know, a 14 year old named Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy who signed. And, you know, it's not every day that a 14 year old signs a professional contract with a soccer club here in North America. And, you know, Banny referred to him as a, a special quality and, and in, in the, the, few matches that the TFC Academy has played in the USSDA this past fall. I think, I think just scored some 20 goals in 12 matches while playing with the U 15s. And, wow. and he was just uh, the thing that really caught Vanny's eye about him was, was he, he told us a little sort of allegory of, of a player who does, does what he does within the context of the game and does everything for the team but when you walk away from that game having watched it you all you all that stands out to you is, is how good of an individual player this was and, and there was just a level of maturity that he was trying to convey in that where it's it's a player with all the skill in the world but he does it all for the team and you still walk away marveling at what he can do and so you know, those are just a couple of the names that we'll sort of be, be keeping an eye on for the future. There's another midfielder that they added named Medi Susi, uh, a 17-year-old, a creative player from what I've heard. And You know, there's a lot of sort of uncertainty revolving around TFC2 now as they make the move to uh, to USL League One. And and we're not really too sure exactly how that's going to play out. There are a couple of things in the works, a couple of shifting landscapes. But uh, those are some names that uh, that fans will be hearing about sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, and one final uh, news and note from uh, Toronto FC uh, as they open their camp is is the report that uh, Richie Laria is in camp with Toronto FC from Paul Tenorio of the Athletic. Uh, obviously a uh, Orlando City draft picked uh, went seventh overall um, so he was you know had some good caliber about him never really broke through with the Orlando first team I think played something like 21 matches for them or or something like that only three starts so um, you know a player that never really broke into that MLS level but obviously a, a homegrown or you know a Toronto based player and a player that uh, potentially Toronto FC could could you know find a role for here is is you know they don't have that many roster spots left which kind of makes this more interesting especially with the signing of Endo and Jordan Hamilton now but uh, maybe a player they'll give an extended look at considering uh, you know he is he is from Toronto and someone who uh, at the very least has some mls experience
1: yeah, it's it's going to be a little bit interesting. First, I can confirm the Tenorio reports I held the door open for Richie and, and Vanny mentioned him specifically on Wednesday, so he's All definitely right, there as a finalist <laughs> for uh, for uh, TFC, and, and he'll be heading to LA as they take a, a little look at him and. Yeah, and you know, space is getting a little bit tight on the roster in terms of whether there's still a spot for him. You know, there's been talk of whether the club will add a third goalkeeper. There's a talk of Hanson possibly coming back. There's a talk of needing a, a direct replacement for Vasquez, and and by my count, that would sort of eat up all the available spots. But there's been there's been some rumblings, and Bill Manning sort of suggested it himself uh, when Ali Curtis was unveiled that. You know, Toronto is sort of working on potentially having a partnership with the Ottawa Fury that could see a couple of the younger guys on their squad going out on loans, which mm. which would possibly free up a spot or two on the roster, depending on how you can, uh, how malleable those spots are when it comes to uh, clearing things with the MLS head office. But, you know, Richie, keeping with the theme of wide players, he's another guy that, that is sort of, an attacking talent. We haven't seen a whole lot of them the last little while, but he would definitely add something a little bit different to Toronto FC. And and you know, you always got a pull for a, a Toronto kid, uh, another Sigma prospect that uh, followed Kyle Larin uh, down to Orlando City as he made his uh, his way through through university at Akron and then and then on to MLS. And it was a little bit strange to see his option decline, just because you know a GA player that hasn't seen the minutes. The money is not going to break the bank when it comes to your your cap space. Although Orlando seems to have complications in that area, and um, you know whether he was still on his GA deal or not, you know those have a tendency to expire. That might have been the issue, but you never want to give up on a on a precocious young talent like that too early. And it's good to see him, uh, you know, possibly find a landing spot here in Toronto.
0: Well, let's move on to some Canadian Premier League talk then, and um, let's talk first uh, about the the new Canadian Championship format that has been uh, uh, announced, and uh, bear with me while I kind of try to explain this because, well, it was always kind of going to be a, a crazy format a little bit just because... Uh, it is a bit of a difficult tournament to schedule in terms of the fact that they have an odd number of Canadian Premier League teams. they're all coming in uh, for their first ever season and you know it's it, they're they're gonna have to work out eventually exactly where every league will enter the competition as they as they kind of uh, juggle things. but for now here's how it works. Uh, round one features Canadian Premier League clubs that got their membership in 2018 um, plus the PLSq and League one Ontario champions so that's Cavalry. Um, Halifax Pacific, York 9, Blaineville, and Bonazuri. Three of those clubs advance to the second round where they play the 2017 uh, CSA membership clubs which are Valor, FC Edmonton, and Forge. The winners of those matches advance to round three which includes the Impact, Vancouver Whitecaps, and Ottawa Fury and then the winners of last year's tournament Toronto FC. uh, They come into the process at the semi-final round so for Toronto FC this season, they won't be playing any more matches than they've been used to in the in the Voyageurs Cup, and um, I get the feeling this is definitely something from from the MLS clubs that will continue to see as they uh, probably aren't all too interested in adding more games to their schedule, especially a team like Toronto FC that already has to deal with things like Concacaf. But it will push the schedule a lot a lot later. Toronto FC will now be playing. You know, if they make a final, they'll be playing it in September. So, uh, I think it's a net positive, but definitely a, a bit of a bizarre tournament and some some bizarre decisions as to as to who gets where in in terms of the uh, you know the round format.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a head scratcher. I was trying to figure out, uh, you know, who knew that the year of joining the association would somehow <laughs> get you a buy into the next round of a cup competition. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of something like that, but that's that's the soccer world man there's always a new surprise around the next corner uh, a little disappointed that that tfc coming in so late doesn't really make for the best narrative in terms mm-hmm. of you know we're not necessarily going to be able to get that that toronto hamilton or that toronto york clash that everyone was looking forward to and i guess it's sort of the compromise that you have to make as you mentioned you couldn't exactly drop eight games on toronto fc given given not just their, their Champions League requirements this year, but also the fact that the MLS schedule is being compressed, which just sort of complicates matters even more. And, and you know, I kind of like the two-legged things. A, a straight cup competition draw with, like, one team drawn at home and one team drawn away, result on the day, penalty kicks if necessary, would have been really interesting. But then mm-hmm. then you're sort of robbing some of those teams of, of having a home match in, in this competition that I think is really going to just grow and grow over the years and has the potential to be a really sort of really sort of special day on the calendar for Canadian soccer fans and you know speaking for myself you know over the past you know eight nine ten eleven years whatever it's been since this competition really sort of turned into its own standalone tournament these are always some of my my favorite matches of the year and you know regardless of how weird the competition is or whether it's right that TFC gets to come in at the late stage that they do and and how it'll play out being spread over five, six months instead of in the tight-knit sort of two-month time frame that we're used to. Those are all just sort of, you know, new wrinkles to to what is a pretty damn cool competition in, in my turn, in my estimation. And, you know, I'm just sort
0: of pumped for it to get going and to see where this sort of takes us. Yeah, I think definitely this year's is going to be the most interesting and most fun Canadian championship. and. Um, obviously, you know we'll see where where the format goes going forward, and I, I'd imagine we'll see some tweaks in in the near future. But um, for now, this this makes for an interesting competition. Like you said, we're going to get to see um, some Canadian Premier League teams hopefully play against some MLS teams, which will uh, make for some great home and away dates to to kind of kick off that uh, that league's inaugural season. Um, the league also has been announcing more signings recently, and we, you know, we continue to get a better picture of what, you know, a Canadian Premier League maybe starting 11 will look like. Um, and, you know, I've when when we heard the initial players announced, I thought they were the right kind of initial players. You know, Kyle Becker, guys like that who are Canadian internationals or, or young Canadians. um but I also kind of worried if those were kind of your initial marquee signings, is everyone else going to be lower than that? But I've been pretty impressed with kind of general standard of signing in the league. Um, we, we've seen recently a lot of ex-Youth International players like Tristan Borges and uh, Matthew Baldissimo and that kind of player get signed, which which kind of makes things more exciting because these are players with obvious quality and... They're kind of the exact players you want the Canadian Premier League for, where uh, they've come through pretty solid academy systems. And, and you know, there's only so many first-team jobs. We've seen that with Toronto FC all the time. I mean, even a guy like Mark Anthony K with Toronto FC, who, you know, there wasn't a first-team spot for him, but he, he was able to get on somewhere else. Well, now this gives players like that an opportunity to kind of uh, have a second chance and, and get in a professional environment again right away that's going to be beneficial and kind of geared towards them. So those are the kind of players that excite me. Obviously Canadian international Marcus Haber as well, uh, one of the kind of bigger name signings. Um, so, you know, as, as the league continues to continues to fill out the rosters, I've been pretty impressed with the, with the caliber of player and, and the type of player they've been able to attract to this league so far.
1: Yeah, it's starting to look like unattached FC. That old joke of the Canadian national team is sort of going to be a thing of the past, you know, barring the occasional uh, rarity. But, you know, as you said, it's sort of been the age-old problem with Canadian players where up until they're 16 or 17, they're sort of of on par with with their opponents around the world. And it's just when players would sort of be entering those professional environments and, and earning their first pro contracts that things sort of... Dissipate just for the lack, for the sheer lack of opportunity. And, and you know, we're seeing a lot of guys with associations to the various MLS academies. You got Cyrus Rollicks just signing today, a guy who left TFC's academy a couple of years ago, signed with uh, York today. Manny Apparicio, a guy who, who had a, a cup of tea at Toronto FC for a couple of seasons and is now going to get another chance. And I think, you know, perhaps the, the more interesting one or the more. Attention-grabbing one was this Marcel Zajic guy. I'm not quite sure how to say his last name, I should say, but who signed for Forge. He, he tore it up at, at the most recent NCAA College Cup with Akron. I think having done a little bit of research on that, just with the draft having come up, uh, he scored seven goals in that competition, and, and apparently there was a lot of interest in, in MLS clubs at seeing where he'd, where he'd go, but he decided to, to be reunited with Bobby Smirnionis at, at in Hamilton there with Forge. And I, I think, you know, it's it's hard to sort of put your finger on exactly what these caliber of signings mean for what, for what the league is going to look like. These are a lot of players that they've sort of been on everyone's radar, but we don't really get a chance to see them, let alone see them play together very often. But, you know, the news just keeps coming with this league, and every day it gets a little bit closer and a, and a little bit nearer to having those those first couple of matches, and then we'll we'll sort of be able to wrap our hands around this thing and really get a good feel for what it's going to be. And you know, for the individual players, I, I can only be happy in the sense that you know these are guys that have sort of dedicated themselves to their craft, sort of not knowing what the future held. And and you know, for now, they'll have a little bit of stability and a place to continue to develop. And and it's the same for that older tier that you were mentioning before, the Kyle Beckers, the Chris Nankos, the Sergio Camargos, that. Randy edwini Bonds, who's the guys, and Kyle Porter, a guy who I've watched for, for many years now, just sort of bounce around and, and struggle mm-hmm. to find a, a real permanent home, a place that he can make an impact on the game. And and just seeing these guys have that chance to sort of be part of something really special is just, a, it, you know, it's uh, it's really exciting. I, I can't think of any other way to put it
0: yeah let's uh let's finish up with something else that's that's really exciting for canadian soccer and uh, it seems like something that we're talking about weekly on the podcast now but kind of another alfonso davies update and um start played his first uh I guess you could call it exhibition match or some kind of tournament match. They have a four-team tournament over in Germany called the Telecom Cup, and uh, they lifted the trophy, so not a bad start for Alfonso Davies in, in his first start, but a, a pretty impressive debut by all accounts and a player who looks to be kind of quickly ingraining himself with his Bayern teammates and, and you know, someone who... Appears to be pretty well liked, which is a you know obviously a good start. Um, his his first opportunity to play in a Bundesliga match comes tomorrow with uh, Ribery and Robin both out f- with injury. There's there's you know he probably won't start, but there's a possibility that we see him at some point off the bench. Uh, the match is going to be all all across Sportsnet channels, which makes it exciting as well as it's kind of you know it's becoming big news in Canadian soccer that he's that he's on this level and playing for such a big club. So yeah it's pretty it's very exciting times and and it's going to be interesting to see how much he actually gets used but the fact that they're already you know giving him some opportunities and he already completely doesn't look out of place uh, at you know one of the highest levels in world soccer um I, i guess i shouldn't say i'm surprised but it's uh it is impressive from alfonso
1: yeah it definitely didn't take him too long to sort of show what he can do and uh in germany you know i wasn't able to catch the match in its entirety i I was aware that it was going on and was sort of following the tweets uh voraciously um or as voraciously as one can on twitter um (laughs) but i did catch a couple of highlights and and when it comes to introducing yourself to uh to the soccer world who may not have been fully aware of sort of the dynamism and the excitement that a guy like like Alfonso brings to the game, that nutmeg that he pulled on the defender was just Mm -hmm. absolutely vicious roasting him, roasting him. And, and, you know, I, and, and I'm pretty sure the rest of the Canadian soccer watching public will have their eyes glued to the television tomorrow just to see if he, uh, if he does end up making his first steps in the Bundesliga at Hoffenheim with, uh, with Bayern Munich. And, you know, the thing, uh, the thing that's always sort of caught my attention with Alfonso and and I think the thing that that you have to love about him, both on and off the field, is is sort of how infectious of a personality he is, and just how how uh, how sort of willing he is, how easy he is with a smile, and and how much that shows in the way that he plays the game. You know, it would have been really easy to come on for Bayern in your first couple of minutes and sort of play within yourself and be worried about making a mistake and worried about looking bad, and instead he he goes and does something like he did you know and that's just that's just so Alfonso and that willingness to try things and that willingness to be fearless that sort of like the the mindset of I'm just gonna do what I do and you can try and stop me but I'm gonna have fun doing it and I just can't wait to see what this kid produces as he as he exits his teenage years and becomes a full-fledged professional uh on the world stage it's it's you know, between between Alfonso and the CPL and and the MLS clubs, sort of continuing to do what they do, and and the national team looking up. You know, it's just a, it's a wonderful time to be a Canadian soccer fan.
0: Absolutely, and in time, where I think we're all going to be watching a lot more Bayern Munich as a result of this, which I'm sure our colleague uh, Joshua Cloak won't mind in the in the slightest. Um, but yeah, very excited for tomorrow to see. Uh, potentially if he does make his first start and excited to see, as you said, how some of these Canadian soccer things continue to develop as, you know, this obviously, and I'll continue to say, this is a massive year for Canadian soccer and and one that could very much change the perception and, and kind of how things have gone with Canadian soccer, um, which is, you know, makes it incredibly exciting, but uh, we're going to wrap up today's show there. James, thanks for coming on.
1: Mitchell, it's always a pleasure. Anytime.
0: And we'll be back next week on the Footy Talks podcast. And it doesn't look like Toronto FC really plan on slowing the news cycle at all anytime soon. So there'll probably be plenty more to talk about. But until then, thanks for listening.